You're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Do you want to speak with confidence and authority, have more influence, and get bigger and better results? Whether you're a top executive, an entrepreneur, or climbing the career ladder, this is the show for you. A leader who wants to inspire others and leave a lasting legacy. Now here's your host, world-renowned TEDx speaker, author, and executive communication coach, Dr. Laura Sokola. Welcome to the podcast, Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, your host, founder of Vocal Impact Productions, and author of Speaking to Influence, Mastering Your Leadership Voice. My guest today is Dinah Trout, co-founder and chief mission officer of HealthAid, the fastest growing kombucha company in the country and which can be found in 50,000 stores across the United States. Dinah, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm excited now. So kombucha is something that is not as familiar to everybody as a lot of other kinds of beverages. So tell us a little bit about the product and or the company. What's your 30 second elevator pitch? Okay. Well, since 2012, HealthAid has been making delicious beverages that are good for you and good for your gut. And that includes our best-selling kombucha that you just mentioned and sold in 50,000 stores, and it's growing a ton. Our mission at HealthAid is to unlock the power of the gut for our consumers and for our community. So we're very interested in helping everyone discover their happiest and healthiest self. We believe if you follow your gut, everyone wins. So we've got a lot, a lot of work to do. I like that, following your gut for good gut health. So in all of this now, what's your favorite part of your job and why? Well, right now I'm in a new role. You had mentioned chief mission officer. Prior to that, I was the CEO. I'm, I'm one of the three co-founders of HealthAid. I was the CEO for a decade and just recently moved on and up, I would say, to this new role that I coined and designed. And this job, basically the whole point is to manifest the mission, to make the mission a reality. And so given our mission is to help people be their best selves, be their healthiest and happiest selves. It's a big one. It's a big endeavor. It's going to take a long time. It's open-ended. It's unstructured. And so my favorite part of that is essentially building it, like building a plan to realize that mission. I think a lot of people find things like this difficult to tackle because they're so big and endless and amorphous. Um, but I love this part of my job. I really thrive in spaces where no one's paved the way before that are big and sort of, like I said, unstructured. So I like deconstructing everything into daily tasks, you know, yearly goals, monthly goals, daily tasks, so that it is something we can digest and actually execute. So that's probably my favorite part. That sounds really exciting to be able to just have that real big picture. I mean, all executives are supposed to have that vision but to allow your the focus of your whole role really to be about that on a on a day-to-day basis i think would be really exciting yeah and in doing this in in making this shift how do you have to message that vision in a way that gets all different stakeholders on board with it well first i have to really deconstruct the big vision into attainable goals from an annual perspective and even down to a monthly perspective and really like be clear on what I want to execute and what I'm going to need from people. Then it requires an incredible amount of persuasion and influence to get people to essentially buy in and elect in from an execution standpoint. So it's a whole new job really from that perspective. You know, before as CEO, obviously you have the power, so to speak. It was very important that I made decisions, good decisions and fast decisions in order for us to keep growing and, you know, moving forward. 
now it's different because I have to, I don't have that power anymore, right? Technically. And so I have to rely on influence a heck of a lot more and buy-in and it takes a little more time. And I would say, uh, tact. <laughs> yes, I would imagine. And that's a really interesting distinction is having, and I'm going to use some broad terms here, but things like power with or without authority mm-hmm. or authority with or without power. Yeah. And what does that mean? How do you realize that? You know, even in people talk about things like managing up or when you have to you know, get different groups, get the board on board, as it were. And when you don't have leverage over certain people necessarily, either due to your role or due to something else, how do you have that influence? So how have you found that you've had to change your approach in having that influence? Now, who are some of the different stakeholder groups, number one, that you find you really have to be more persuasive with in that vision? And how do you change your approach to each one of them? Yeah, I mean, it's good. And I think I'm still learning that given I've only been in this new role a month, but I have a lot to say here, even just in that short time. As far as the stakeholders go, a lot of them are the same. Because my job is to you know, realize our mission, I'm still dealing with executives, which I did before as a CEO. I still have the board as part of my stakeholder group because you know, realizing the mission will eventually take tasks, which cost money. And that's a redirection of budget from where it was going to go before. So there's persuading and influence required there, just like anything else. So I still think I'm equally you know, connected, I guess I could say, with the department heads and the board as I was before. And the only thing that shifted is before, as a CEO, my oversight was very much in all departments and an equal sort of amounts because all aspects of the business were equally important to me. Whereas now my job is a lot more brand and employee focused. So I would say I'm more heavily leaning toward marketing and HR now as far as like where I need to influence a bit more. Now, in terms of what in my communication styles had to change is, yeah, I mean, I think you made a good point, the difference between authority and power. I I liked when you said that because it's really, power is a funny thing. You can have power with no authority. And I think that's what I'm shooting for. Yes. So it's really the authority that's changed. And so I've had to do two things more. One, listen a lot more. You know, I think having had the experience of the CEO, I know that while I may be on a path to do something that I think is awesome and great, everyone thinks that about their own, you know, budget and goals. So of course, I know as CEO that you've got to think about the company as a whole in a holistic mind versus just what the marketing plan is or just what the sales plan is. Mm -hmm. So at least I have that perspective and can recognize that perhaps everything I want to do isn't the best thing for the company this year because it's all a trade-off, right? If I do this, then that means marketing can't do that. Sure. So I think part of it has been really listening. What do you listen for? How does the listening change now because of the unique nature of the role that you're in? I'm really trying to understand. I'm listening more for what the goals of the department, what the department is trying to execute and what goals they have and how important they are so that I can then sort of contrast that or compare that against what I think my goals are. I mean, part of the difficulty is I'm sort of living in a silo. Nobody reports to me. Mm. So by definition, I don't have that authority. And there's some really beautiful things about that. I can really create something great. It's very entrepreneurial in my land. Mm -hmm. The tough part now is I've got to work within the marketing budget and with these people who already have busy days and busy tasks. And so in a lot of ways, if I do this wrong, I'm just like this burden that's coming in and giving them more work to do. And I don't want to be that. So what I'm listening for is 
what is important to them? What are they trying to execute? And then I'm trying to really design how can I integrate that so we both win? And also on top of all of that, trying to overlay what's the best thing for the company like this year? Mm. You know, how much do we want to do of this versus that? So it's a lot of listening. And then it's a lot of sort of back and forth conversation of us working together to collaborate. And I think as CEO, it was a lot less of that. I certainly listened, but I really gave complete autonomy mostly to my marketing team to build their plan. And, you know, we agreed on a budget and maybe I made some comments here and there, but I wasn't trying to influence it as much. And so it's quite different. I would imagine, was, was there a little bit of a culture shock for you, even though you kind of knew it on paper? I mean, just by definition, the nature of this role versus that role, you'd have people, fewer people under you, no people under you, et cetera. But to go from being the person with basically the most individual power and authority in the company to someone, I won't say the least, obviously, but least authority, so the least authority, arguably. Okay. So how did that surprise you? Even though you technically knew it was coming, I would imagine there still would have been a little bit of a reality check or a little culture shock once it did officially change. Yeah. I mean, lots, right? And I'm still seeing a lot of it. I think there were positive sort of reactions and negative ones. I think one thing I've realized is that influence that we talked about before. It's a craft that you get better at. Mm. You know, I think some people maybe come to the table with it as a talent, the ability to influence and persuade. And perhaps I was strong there already, but I can see that it's something that's learned and I can get better at. And I didn't quite appreciate that going into the role that it would require so much. It's not as simple as you want to create the mission. Here's 2 million bucks to do it. It's not really like that. It's like as a company, I'm a part of marketing and yet I was the founder. So anyway, all that to say is, that has been a surprise to me and something I didn't expect. You know, there's some positive things about it too. I think I've been a lot less stressed. Sure. Yeah. In this new role. And I think a very big part of it is I don't, those operational day-to-day things aren't coming to my plate. And on my plate instead is, okay, I have all these great grand goals that are all upside. It's all upside. It's not a lot of problems at this point. It's all entrepreneurial upside. And really the biggest challenge I have is just how do I integrate this so it gets executed? So it feels a lot more positive. And I think the unexpected response I'm having is, wow, I feel so good at the end of the day. I have so much energy even at the end of the day for like, let's say my kids. I mean, I used to come home after my day and be like so spent. I would have, I would really have to push those few hours before bedtime to like give them a good version of me. And now it's really just flowing. And and so the lesson is sort of, you know, you've got only one cup. And if it's, you know, if it's empty, it's empty. (laughs) Right. But we don't want it to be empty. And it should be full of kombucha. Yeah. You know, I've noticed some interesting things too. Like as a new CEO comes in, like I'm noticing where people who may have, you know, for example, after a meeting, let's say like I, I would run an executive meeting and I'd become so close with my team over 10 years. And perhaps my personality is sort of forgiving. And I don't know, there's been a lot of trust built. I'm not exactly sure. I'm still trying to understand this part. But, you know, after a two hour meeting, let's say where I didn't run things perfectly, five people would have told me, Mm -hmm. you know, right immediately on the phone after, hey, Dinah, you didn't run a good meeting. And here's why, you know, or, you know, I get a comment or a text. So it was like I had this constant and immediate feedback, which I didn't quite realize was pretty awesome to have. And I'm watching as a new person comes in who's sort of new and scary and people are sort of tiptoeing and 
I'm sort of like, oh, wow, this is funny. There's no way you would have let me get away with doing that. <laughs> so, you know, there's things like that, but it's all, it's all very natural with people and new people coming in and the dynamics and how it all changes things. So I'm observing and learning as we go. Yeah, I would imagine that's an understatement to say the least. So I'd love to back up a little bit to talk about, you mentioned that the skill set of persuasion and influence is something that to some extent most people have naturally, but wherever you start, there's always room to grow, right? You're always going to be flexing that muscle and strengthening that muscle. Can you give an example of, of an exchange or an approach that you had to take where you realized, okay, normally I would have done it this way, but I realized I had to do it that way. Or can you give us a little bit of a conversational snippet as far as how did you effectively persuade someone to do something that was a slightly different approach than you would have perhaps been able to take as CEO? Hmm. You know, an example would be when I have, like, as I mentioned, I have this new job and really no budget assigned just to my job. Mm-hmm. So I've got to sort of work with marketing on figuring out how I get this executed. So when figuring out how do I even begin this, right? Because it feels like two siloed things that I got to marry together and they're working hard over here on their budget and their plans. Mm-hmm. How do I like, you know, so my inclination was to have a, you know, a meeting where I share with them what I think we should do and um, how they might integrate me and what resources I might need of theirs. And I think as CEO, what I would have done is said, this is what we're, I mean, I would have listened to their feedback, but based on their feedback and my feeling about how important all this is, I would have made decisions in that meeting and we would have left with like marching orders on what we were doing. This is not what happened this time. When I spoke with the team, I learned a lot about the competing goals and how important they were to each other and a little more detail on how the trade-offs really looked if I were to push forward with just like, you know, my hammer, if I were to have done that. And so part of being influential is not just about like taking what you think you want and making it happen. I think it's also a little bit of give and take, like you can actually be more persuasive when you when you listen more. So anyway, the way that I actually did it was I sat on it. Um, I didn't just make the decision in that call. I listened and I wrote a lot down and I thought about it for a week and I reconfigured my presentation. I sent it to them and I said, okay, you guys look at this and like, tell me what you think once I read it. So I, again, I think the way I'm creating influence now is giving them a little more time, giving them a little more autonomy and even giving myself a little more time to really think about all of it and then really focusing on what the best thing is for the business. So part of being influential is willing to give up on certain things. And I think that's also something that's given me some credit here as I'm saying, okay, we don't have to do it the way I said, I get it, but I feel really strongly about this. And so there's this give and take. And in the end, I think I was able to create a more meaningful chunk of mission within that goal than I would have had I just been a little more black and white about it. Does that make sense? Yes, of course. And so it sounds like you've honed skills that will help to kind of build consensus when you have to get everybody on board before anything can go through as opposed to, you know, trying to persuade and get as many people on board as possible, but ultimately being able to say, I'm the final decision maker. And, you know, if you don't like it, well, you know, hopefully you'll get on board with it because I've decided and this is the way we're going. So, you know, pick up your oar and start paddling. Yeah. But now you're, it's really the skills of consensus building. Consensus building and also willingness to give a little, take a little. Yeah. Yeah. And that compromise. Yeah. The compromise. Exactly. That's amazing. So 
do you have any good role models? Who, who has been someone that you admire as a communications role model and why? You know, I'm going to say actually my, my director of marketing, hmm. Amelia, uh, she's a really excellent communicator. And I admire it in her because I find her to do it better than me. So I try to learn. She's just very articulate, but I don't want to say slow because that's not the right word, but cautious. Like she thinks about the word before she says it. And so when she says it, it's exactly the word that she means. So an example of this might be, you know, if we're talking fast and thinking a little too quick, when we're describing, let's just say, use an example of an emotion, like we might just use the word sad, you know, to replace any sort of negative feeling that represents that emotion. But really there's a thousand different ways to describe sad. And it's a lot more clear if you use the word depressed or disappointed or regretful, right? And so that's just an example of how I notice she'll use the really focused word that then only creates more clarity for me as the listener. And then of course, creates a better conversation to follow. So yeah, I love that she does that. And I try to slow it down a bit because they're all words I know. And the only reason I pick the word sad and not regretful is I'm going too fast. Sure. And so taking a moment, listening, understanding how you feel, creating that response and then saying it back. So it sounds like she's really deliberate in her word choice, uh, maybe rather judicious, kind of nuanced in picking out exactly the words to reflect what she intends. Yeah. I mean, one of the ways, and it's maybe going to be one of your questions, but you know, I've changed my communication style quite a bit over the last decade, you know, as CEO and being judicious and deliberate and articulate is, is a part of that, but it's not the only way, you know, like it's a little bit sort of similar to the difference between responding versus reacting. Mm, yes, good. Talk about that, please. Okay, so naturally, I'm a really passionate person and I love to communicate. So mm-hmm. I don't sit and stew on things. Usually, as soon as something triggers me and I have a strong opinion, I am like immediately communicating that to somebody and then I get over it. Like once it's talked about, it's not like I sit and brew or stew on this. So there's some pros and cons to that. But my natural inclination when I feel strongly about something is to pick up the phone or text somebody immediately. Like the second I hear it, I don't like that. Okay. Sure. The good thing about that is everybody always knows what I think. There's no kind of question. (laughs) There's no question. But I mentioned I'm passionate. Sometimes my texts will come through in caps not because I'm angry. I'm actually rarely angry, but because I'm passionate and I I have this intensity of the feeling. Sure. And the second thing, so what I've noticed is that's misunderstood a lot. And I have an example for, you know, one that comes to mind that really forced me to change my ways, but there were many, you know, one of these things happened and I did the texts and then, you know, two hours went by and I picked up the phone to call the person about something completely different. I was already over the thing we had texted about. I mean, I still cared about it, but I, I wasn't stewing on it. And when the person picked up, they were like, I could tell they were like crying and emotional and in tears. And I was sort of like, oh my gosh, what's going on? You know, what has something happened? And I learned that it was my text from hours before Mm. that had caused this, you know, really visceral reaction in her or in him. Yeah. And, and acute reaction and long reaction hours later. Mm. And I felt horrible because I didn't mean to do that. Sure. I certainly didn't mean to hurt anybody's feelings, make them cry. And I realized people care so much and my reaction versus what I've learned to do, which is 
take some time to respond. We'll get to that in a second. But my reaction, sure, it really wasn't intended to be that intense or angry or have all the effects that it ended up having. So really that's on me. I mean, that's poor communication. Sure. And so what I've learned in that regard is to not, not text in all caps. <laughs> nice, clear black and white rule of thumb. Don't text all caps. Yeah. Be very careful with the caps on text. Especially when you're in the CXO role. Yes. But also be careful with overall responding too fast to something you feel intense about because two reasons. One, you might say it wrong. Like your passion might be misread. That passion is is important yeah. and good, but like let it sit. If you're still feeling as intense about it two hours later, you're gonna find better words to describe it that then somebody who's listening can actually like pick up what you're saying in the way that you want and intent. So I I've sort of now become a fan overall of not texting, even though I have that urge, and to make a note and say, send that person an email and set up a t- conversation. Sure. And by that time, it's like the conversation is naturally going to go so much better because I have given them the benefit of the doubt. They gave me the benefit of the doubt. And it's all good. Right, right. Your adrenaline has come down at that point and the, the impulse control is not an issue anymore. Yeah. The passion definitely shifts into a more normalized state. <laughs> <laughs> but so it's like texting and then waiting. But the other benefit to waiting and I've learned this too, is that often my opinion actually can change. Mm. Even my initial reaction, I'm so sure of it in the moment. I don't know if anybody on listening is feels that Absolutely. way. Absolutely, sure. so strongly about it. You're sure this is your opinion, but then you take two days and you're like, well, I know I said that, but now I'm thinking the exact opposite. Mm. And often it'll even be the opposite opinion or significantly different, different enough right. that then you're you're going back on what you said. And it's really confusing for people on one hand, you're right. texting, you know, with all caps. And then two days later you're saying, you know, on second thought, let's go the opposite direction. Right. Now I'm not chaotic like that, but I've learned over time to wait. Right. Right. Both to dissolve or to diffuse a bit of the passion and also to ensure that it's not just my immediate opinion. That's not always the best thing. So it's both things. And yeah, I think that's something a lot of people could probably do better. <laughs> well, and I think it's interesting, you know, you mentioned the the word chaotic. And I think chaos like beauty in many ways is in the eye of the beholder or of the listener at least. So it's what may seem just okay a little here and there to one person maybe utter chaos to another, especially somebody who's much further to the end uh, the other end of the spectrum from where you are with regard to how reserved they are and how sort of reflective they are and, and deliberative in their thought processes before they respond to anything, if they're conflict diverse, if they're something else. So what might feel high energy to one person, it's like, all right, so I'm a little bit less now. They're like, no, you're still 8,000 feet in, in the other direction. So I think it's important for everyone out there to think about, okay, how is your own perception of your own energy level different from someone else's perception of that energy level, of that intensity, of that how much time is not enough, is too much, is just enough, Mm. recognizing not just how you perceive yourself, but how others may perceive you based on their own frame of reference and their own natural style. I think these are really great reminders and, and rules of thumb for people to bear in mind. Yeah. And then how you have to then customize essentially how you talk to each individual based on what you learn about them, right? So you can't that person that's going to be more on the opposite spectrum, you've got to really like tone down and shift even more maybe than what's natural 
so that your message is heard and received because communication is not just about what you say or even how you say it. It's how the other person receives it too. I mean, it's entirely two way. So I mean, if the person doesn't receive it right, that's a little bit at least on you. Sure. And, you know, a really great leader will work to like make that better each time, especially with people they, they communicate with a lot. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, maybe this will lead into our listener 24-hour influence challenge, Dinah. So <laughs> this is your opportunity to talk directly to, and we've been giving lots of phenomenal advice today, but this is your opportunity to talk directly to the audience and challenge them to take one step that they can complete within 24 hours to have more influence. How would you like to challenge our listeners today? Okay. Well, it's actually three steps, but it's all part of one thing. And the influence I am challenging you to have is more influence over your health Hmm. and yourself. Okay. So I know that that might be a little atypical for this podcast because we're influencing, you know, others. No, but it is because if you're not healthy, you can't influence others or you'll influence others differently when you do feel healthy relative to when you don't. So I think it's directly relevant. Go for it. Yes. And it might even help us understand what makes people tick and what makes them go. So start with you. And of course, you know that kombucha is a gut health and wellness product. So Mm -hmm. maybe that's why it makes sense. Okay. So really there's I'm asking you to take five minutes today, okay? which everybody can do. And three things I want you to do in those five minutes. Mm -hmm. Well, really, it's three things in four minutes and one thing in one minute. So (laughs) five minutes, four things. Okay. Got it. So first, I want you to think about one thing in your life Mm -hmm. as it relates to health and wellness that you're just not happy with. You want to change. Okay. Is it that you're not sleeping enough? Is it you're drinking too much alcohol? Is it your skin isn't? you know, where you want it to be. Okay. Are you sick a lot? Mental health. Okay. So it can be really any aspect of what, just write it down. What is one thing you're not happy with? Step two, think about how that's impacting your life. Okay. That will take less than 30 seconds. It's impacting my life because I wake up the next day and I'm really crappy to my kids. Okay. Number three, I want you to think about what action could make you better here. So it's not the same as a goal. So, you know, let's say your, your issue is that you don't sleep enough. You don't want to say like, okay, I want to sleep eight hours a day. That's a goal. But maybe the action there could be, I'm going to be heading to bed every night at nine because I know it takes me an hour to like actually fall asleep and I want to go to bed at 10. So write down the action. Okay. And that should take you about four minutes max. For one minute, I want you to just visualize how that will change your life. Like what impact that will have on your life. And the whole purpose of that is by the way, studies have repeatedly shown across multiple different subjects that simply visualizing and feeling how a change will impact your life is actually more effective than anything else, even more than educating somebody 1000 fold. So in the interest to get everybody closer to their healthiest and happiest self, if we can spend a moment, a minute visualizing how this one change will impact our lives. It may, in fact, get us closer to doing it. I love that. Bonus, if you're all leaders or influencing people, you can think about how you might use that to your advantage as you try to motivate others to do anything, including be maybe one step happier, one step healthier. I mean, you could even do that as a team exercise on Monday morning or Friday afternoon, opening, closing of the week, whatever it happens to be, just take five minutes with your team and say, okay, we're all going to do this together. You can share what it is, not share what it is, but get everybody collectively to just 
take that mindfulness moment yeah. to think about what those steps would be and to do that visualization exercise. I'm a big fan of vision boards and I've got mine right here in front of me. And it really does change things when you can not just think, oh, I should do this. Yeah. No, no, no. Think about what is it and visualize what that would look like, feel like, sound like, yeah. what, what the impact would be. I, I think that's beautiful. So um, thank mm-hmm. you so much for that suggestion. Now, really, we're going to wrap up with one more piece of advice for you to give to a slightly different group. I want you to think about if you were asked to give the commencement address at a high school graduation ceremony, Dinah, what advice would you give the graduates, whether or not they're going to go to college or go to trade schools or do, you know, run off to Hollywood and try to be an actor? What's the one thing they have to do to be successful? Most importantly, I would say you got to be yourself and believe in yourself. And that may sound cheesy, but I will tell you, if you're on a journey to do anything great, you're going to be by definition, unliked. People are going to push back. You're going to have doubt. There's no guidebook. You're going to get a ton of no's. Like it's going to feel lonely. And so you better be really comfortable in your own skin. And so I think the best advice I would give anybody who's young is find out who you are and stay strong to that. Like be yourself. That's your best asset. And the thing that you will regret most in life when you look back is not being true to yourself. So, and we can all do that no matter how much money or experience or whatever, whatever we're doing. I want to zero in on something that you just said a moment ago. You mentioned the idea of you're going to get a lot of no's, you're going to get a lot of pushback, especially when you're trying to do something new and different and, and groundbreaking, perhaps trailblazing. How many no's did you get when you were trying to either approach stores to get health aid in it, or if you got patents or to whatever it was, how many big no's did you get before you finally got the breakthrough? Yes. I mean, way more no's than yeses. <laughs> Who said no? What kinds of groups was it? Oh, was it I mean, retails or banks or, or <laughs> everyone, partners? everyone. I mean, even just starting the business, if there's anybody else there, just even in that beginning stage of like pulling the trigger. I mean, nobody thought it was a good idea for me to quit my job and start a farmer's market kombucha brand. Are you kidding? It was a ton of not lack of support, but people just saying, come on, Dinah, you're not thinking straight. Like here are all the practical reasons this isn't going to work. So maybe those aren't exactly no's, but even that's a fast forward to raising money. Yeah. I mean, most people you ask are going to say no's, maybe a hundred no's before you get a yes mm. to getting my first account. People often struggle getting to grocery stores. We're now on 50,000, but that first one, holy man, was that hard to get. But and Rich from Gelson's told me no, he wouldn't meet with me. Oh my, I mean, 20, 30 times over email, text, phone. And I even showed up at his office with coffee every morning and he declined that several times before finally I think out of pity he accepted. But you know, wore him down. Yeah. And I think the best lesson for me in all of this is when you when you stay strong in who you are and you don't try to like shift that part, it all works out. Yes. So anyway, I love it. Yeah. Yes. So stay true and accept the no's. There will be many, 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 many non-believers. But if you truly believe in your own vision, stay strong. You will eventually find that first yes of many. So thank you so much for that inspiration and that example. Before we wrap up, Dinah, is there anything you'd like to give our audience? Sure. Well, especially if you haven't tried kombucha before, I want you to try it because I think it's delicious and it'll change your life in short because gut health is connected to so many things. So if you go to healthaid.com and it's A-D-E, like lemonade uh, versus A-I-D, right. you can put in the code speaking to influence 15 for 15% off. Yay. Yeah. It's all one word. So that's terrific. Yeah. I'm hopeful for you guys to try it. And you can follow us on Instagram at, at 
health aid if you're interested in that as well. That's terrific. And we will, of course, put all of those links and the promo code and everything else, of course, with the website and whatnot. So there's no question about misspellings that'll all be in the show notes. So please be sure to check it out. Take that promo code, take advantage of this incredibly generous offer and go try health aid. Try your kombucha if you've never tried it before. So thank you so much for that very generous gift. I love gifts for our audience. (laughs) So finally, Dinah, how can we learn more about you and your company? As I just mentioned, check out healthaid.com or at healthaid on Instagram. We will tell you a little bit more about kombucha there, but more about things you care about, like a lot about gut health. So if you're interested at all in improving any part of your health, it's probably connected to your gut and we'll help you learn that. So fantastic. Healthy, good advice for the mind, the body, and the spirit today. I love that (laughs) trifecta. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thanks for having me. And to everybody else out there, thank you as always for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And don't forget to give us a five-star rating on iTunes so we can help even more people to increase their confidence, presence, and influence. And finally, if you want to download my free guide to equipment recommendations for virtual influence, including my picks for microphones, lights, and more, go to speakingtoinfluence.com. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, and you're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Laura Sokola, and I want to sincerely thank you for listening to the Speaking to Influence podcast. If you love listening to these episodes as much as I love bringing them to you, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And please go to iTunes right now to rate and review our podcast in order to help us expand our reach so even more people can master the three C's to command the room, connect with the audience, and close the deal. Thanks for listening to Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite, the show for readers who want to speak with impact. The hosts, producers, owners, and media distributors of the show make no guarantees that the strategies and information discussed will result in profit or other success and may result in losses. The opinions and statements of the hosts and guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the owners, staff, managers, broadcasters, or sponsors of the show. No medical or psychological therapy or personal or professional wellness or relationship advice is offered in the show. You are advised to seek counsel on matters related to your health, family, relationships, job, or other business and legal matters from licensed advisors in those areas prior to making any changes in business or lifestyle. No information provided may be suitable in your situation. As always, take responsibility for the decisions and actions you take, including the reactions they may make in your work, family, health, and life.